0: Good evening, everyone. My name is Marty Shaw, and welcome back to a new episode of Murders and Mysteries of New England. Happy Mother's Day to all those mothers and mother figures out there. Thank you for all that you've done for us, and all that you may or may have to continue to do for us. I wanted to do tonight's case for two reasons, actually. One was because it was Mother's Day, and this case does feature a mother whose daughter has worked hard on getting her case reopened, and two, because I had realized something over the last couple of weeks. Since starting this podcast back in October of 2022, I had realized something. I hadn't done a single Rhode Island case. So, I wanted to welcome Rhode Island into my little mix of cases, and wanted to cover one that also had to do with a mother. So... In tonight's case of the suspicious death of Lori Malloy, we'll be looking at both of those. So, I hope you enjoy. Sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Just a quick warning to my listeners this episode does discuss the topic of domestic abuse and sexual assault. If you or someone you know is in an abusive situation, please reach out to a trusted friend, family member, or medical professional. No one deserves the abuse, and no one deserves the trauma that comes with the abuse. So, Lori Lee Malloy. She was a 30-year-old woman, mother, and friend who was found dead by the police. I couldn't find a lot of information particularly about Lori's backstory, but what I was able to find was a timeline of what happened leading up to her murder or suspicious death and what happened after her suspicious death. So we're going to get into that tonight we're going to start off in 1988 february 14th 1988 to be more specific laurie lee marries harry giovanni mariano laurie marries harry at her father's house in derry new hampshire now i know what you're probably thinking this case is in rhode island why are we starting off in new hampshire well that's where the timeline starts us off. It starts us off at her first marriage. Now, Derry, New Hampshire is about 28 miles, or 45 kilometers, just about, from Concord, New Hampshire. New Hampshire's not that close to Rhode Island. Uh, for those of you that may not know the specifics of where everything is located, I actually had to look up... The distance from uh, Derry, New Hampshire to Providence, Rhode Island. It's about an hour and a half, if I remembered correctly. It was about 94.5 miles. It didn't exactly give me the kilometers, unfortunately, so I don't know that off the top of my head. But it was about an hour and a half away from Providence where our s- case takes place. We're going to skip ahead a few to October 8th of 1988. This is now in Rhode Island. Lori calls the Woonsocket Police Department to say that Harry had beat her. Now, Harry is wanted by the Woonsocket Police Department, or the WPD, on charges of leaving the scene of an accident, driving on a suspended license, and failure to pay a fine for a traffic offense. He was also arrested and charged with the assault of Lori he was sentenced to jail but i couldn't exactly find how long his jail sentence was a few days later october 11th of that year harry had sent lori a letter from prison now mind you this is a few days between when lori calls the woonsocket police department at 1:20 in the morning telling them that harry had beat her and when Lori receives this letter from Harry in prison. That's only three days worth of a difference. Like, three days difference. That That's not that much time. But within this letter, we find out that Harry had threatened her, threatened Lori, and told her not to testify against him. Now, I couldn't find an exact quote of where this... Was said, but the gist of the letter had said that it was her decision whether she had whether she sees him in six months or in two years. So, what I'm getting from this is that Lori calls the Woonsocket Police Department, tells them, "Hey, my husband's beating me, or he beat me," and Harry's arrested, taken to jail. But hasn't been given a sentence yet. He threatens her. By saying. If she does testify him against him. He'll see her in two years. But if not. He'll see her in six months. That raises some red flags for me. If I'm being completely honest. Um. But. Two years later. January 31st of 1990. Harry was charged with a violation of a protective order by the Providence Police Department. This violation of a protective order violates Lori's protective order. She, from my understanding, must have gotten a protective order against Harry from the threat that he had written to her from jail for beating her. Um, I don't mean to make light of the situation. Domestic abuse is actually... A really heartbreaking thing to go through and is very terrifying and very traumatic but i don't believe this harry guy may have completely thought everything through when he threatened her through the letter um but harry was arraigned and he pleads not guilty bail was set i couldn't find how much bail was set for harry But he was ordered to have no contact with Lori, so that means no phone calls, no letters, no showing up at her door, no contact with her at all. April 20th of 1990, Lori Lee Mariano files complaint for divorce from Harry Mariano. At this point, Lori Lee Mariano takes her maiden name Malloy back. Uh, this was said on the grounds of differences that could not be solved by talking it out, going to therapy, such as that. They could not see past their differences, and as such, Lori believed that it was the best idea to get a divorce from Harry. Which, after being th- beaten by Harry, getting threatened by Harry, and then having your protective order against Harry be violated, I'd say those are pretty good grounds for a divorce. Their divorce was finalized on March 31st of 1993, but we're going to jump back a little bit to July of 1992. After Lori leaves Harry and before their divorce is finalized, Lori is dating her daughter Lauren's birth father. Her birth Lauren's birth father was named Thomas Kelly. But in July of 1992, Lori breaks up with Thomas. Shortly after this breakup, Lori was found to have written in her planner, quote, Tommy's threats over Lauren will settle soon. What this means exactly, I'm not quite sure. But I would take it as they're currently in a dispute over who should have, who should be responsible for Lauren. Because I'd imagine Lauren is not that much, not that old at this point in time. We have no mention of when Lauren was born, but... All we know is that she was about 18 months old around this time. On March 6th of 1993, Thomas files for custody of Lauren Malloy. Uh, Thomas states that he believed that Lauren, she, is in danger under the custody of her maternal grandmother, Alice, and Lori's ex-husband, who we've mentioned earlier, was Harry. If you've put that in, if you think about the timeline leading up to this point, Lori marries Harry, Harry beats Lauren, or Lori, Harry goes to jail. Harry writes a letter to Lori, threatening to, threatening her with some sort of reaction if she testifies against him lori feels threatened gets a restraining order basically or a protective order i'm sorry protective order harry violates this protective order and is now told you can have zero contact with this person lauren gets together with thomas i'd imagine somewhere around this point lauren is born And Lori and Thomas break up. Thomas, at this point, wants to file for custody of Lauren. Who I am not quite sure why she's under the custody of her grandmother and the ex-husband instead of Lori. But we shall see in a few very short minutes. On March 7th, which is a Sunday of 1993... Also, the day after Thomas has filed for custody of Lauren, Lori was found dead by the East Providence police on the bathroom floor of her apartment. This is East Providence, Rhode Island. A quote-unquote odd welfare check was called in from Lori's boyfriend. We're not quite sure what his name is, but we have found that he had not heard from Lori in a few days, and had asked the East Providence Police Department to do a welfare check. When police get to Lori's apartment, they found the front door to the apartment was opened and the bathroom sink faucet had been running. We're not quite sure how long the sink had been running or how long the door had been open, but we do know that the door was open and the sink was running. There were also two drinking glasses and leftover salad found on the kitchen table. The refrigerator had been found to be full, but was unplugged. Which I'd imagine if I showed up to do a welfare check on somebody and found the door open, the bathroom sink running, food and drink out, and the refrigerator unplugged but full of food, I would... Be very suspicious of what I would be walking into. But unfortunately what police walk into is something that will haunt Lori's daughter for the longest time. Lori was found naked on the bathroom floor with recent bruises on her upper thighs and arms and with hair ripped out. Hair had been found all over the apartment and clumps of hair and slices of bread were found scattered around Lori's body. Why there were slices of bread found, I don't think anybody knows as of right now. But a clump of hair was found in between the toes of Lori's left foot, strands of her hair wrapped between the fingers of her left hand, and a quote-unquote bracelet Of hair wrapped around. The right hand. So not only. Is Lori. Dead on the bathroom floor. She's also completely in the nude. Has bruises. On her thighs and arm. And has hair. Like chunks of hair. Ripped out of her hair. Head. Because if there's enough hair. To be found all over the apartment. And scattered around Lori's body. And wrapped up. On Lori's body I'd imagine these are huge chunks of hair being ripped out not little strands being ripped out once investigators had put together what even they were looking at Lori's death was investigated as a homicide 14 pieces of evidence were removed by detectives from the East Providence Police Department or the EPPD These pieces of evidence include hair samples from a clump of light brown hair found in a shoe on top of a table by the front door. Which, at first I thought that was simply Lori's hair. But then I remembered Lori's hair is dark brown. It's not light brown. So this is not her hair. But a bath towel with mucus on it was also collected the master bed sheets and comforter were collected and several items of infant clothing hairs and drinking glasses were also collected from the scene a sexual assault kit was completed though we're not quite sure what the results are as of right now but lori's autopsy was conducted by f john kralikowski a medical examiner Krolikowski eventually lost his license to practice in Rhode Island after losing it in Massachusetts. Krolikowski was also known for misdiagnosing cases. In 1999, actually, the doctor had multiple cases reviewed by the attorney general's office. However, Lori's case was not one of those cases reviewed, as it as the review began with autopsies completed by Krolikowski in May of 1993 when Lori's autopsy was completed in March of 1993. In 1993, Krolikowski incorrectly rules Lori's death as quote-unquote natural. The death was ruled as a quote-unquote natural manner of death caused by quote-unquote hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. This was despite Krolikowski's own notes describing the lack of major damage to Lori's heart. Krolikowski also did not make a note of the condition of Lori's scalp or comment on the clean toxicology screening. This was despite all notes about her case labeling Lori as a quote-unquote known cocaine user. Which, if you don't know how toxicology reports work, which I honestly do not know much about, any drugs, both prescribed, street drugs, any drugs that you're taking will show up on a toxicology report. The fact that Lori was a quote-unquote known cocaine user in this case and the cocaine not showing up in her toxicology report seems a little odd to me. But Krolikowski incorrectly ruled Lori's death as natural. I keep putting natural in quotation marks simply because to me there seems to be a lot more going on than just a natural death but seeing as though i'm not a medical examiner i don't really have a lot of say in how and how they should be ruling but on december 28th of that year 1993 laurie's case was closed this was closed by the eppd with quote unquote No signs of foul play found, even though there were clumps of Lori's hair missing, bread all over the apartment apparently, and a clump of light brown hair in her apartment that did not belong to her, as far as we know. But the case was also closed following false witness statements and incorrect autopsy findings. I couldn't find anything about what the witness statements had said and how they were false, but we do know the incorrect autopsy finding did point to it being a closed case. Almost 10 years later, on June 13th of 2002, Harry was arrested and charged with felony simple domestic assault against another woman. He was arrested by the Pawtucket Police Department, and the assault happened against Carol A. Vanden On July 6th of 2003, so a little over a year later, Harry was found dead on a park bench in Pawtucket. He was 43 years old at the time, but the Pawtucket Police Department dismissed any signs of foul play. Now, we're going to jump ahead almost two decades, almost, August of 2020, new information was brought forward. This led to Lori's case being reviewed by the EPPD, the Rhode Island Medical Examiner's Office, and the Attorney General's Office. The Rhode Island Cold Case Unit was consulted and referred the case to the East Providence Police Department, the EPPD. The following year, February 2021, Lori's family obtained a copy of the 1993 Autopsy Report and even challenged the findings with the Rhode Island Department of Health. Which... Seeing as though there were many, many things I could point out that could have led to a very suspicious death, the medical examiner ruled it as a natural cause. So, when Lori's family got a hold of this record and found that it had said that it was due to medical co- or natural causes, they wanted to challenge the findings. And honestly, I say good on them. Challenge your findings, especially if something seems off. A month later, March 2021, the senior medical examiner handling Lori's current case review told Lori's family that she did not die of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. He even went further to say there were no obvious natural or unnatural reasons to die. The family was advised to exhume Lori's remains and the investigation completely needed to be redone in order to understand the cause and manner of Lori's death. Because the family was advised to to exhume Lori's remains, the medical examiner refuted the original autopsy from 1993, which I say, even though it's almost 20 years too late, good on them for being able to recognize that there was something obviously wrong here and taking the prerogative to fix that wrong like yes it might be a little too late to try to fix the wrong but you're still trying to fix the wrong and honestly that's the best way you can go about life is to try and fix the wrongs but The EPPD detectives located the original homicide investigation reports from 1993. The specimens from 1993 were also confirmed to still be available for retesting a month later. But, unfortunately, in September of 2021, the Assistant Attorney General assigned to Lori's case had stated that there was not enough sufficient reason to reopen the case and learn the circumstances surrounding her death the assistant attorney general would follow up with the eppd to help clarify suspicious circumstances warranting reinvestigation on march 13th of 2022 so jumping another year an independent pathology specialist based in new york New York was referred to Lori's family and asked to review the case this independent forensic pathologist had found that five findings could be concluded after reviewing the case number one the cause and manner of death are unknown and or still unclear after almost 30 whole years number two The listed cause of death of quote-unquote hypertrophic cardiomyopathy was not supported by the description in the autopsy reports. So basically, what they said she had died from did not match up to what they had found in her system, in her remains, in something. Number three. The underlying reason of lori's congested lungs at the time of death did not have a reasonable explanation as of right now so may Fourteenth, 2023 they're still unsure why lori's lungs were congested at the time of her death number four if it was possible the availability of any residual tissues slides should be reviewed to establish a cause of death from a perspective of forensic pathology. Number five. The circumstances of Lori's death should be investigated and or reinvestigated by the police. So not only do you have the family saying that this should be reinvestigated, the forensic pathologist who says this should be Reinvestigated, and the EPPD saying this needs to be reinvestigated. You have so many people saying that this needs to be reinvestigated. Yet, the Assistant Attorney General back in 2021 had said there was not enough reason for this to be reopened. Which, I don't know. I feel like there's plenty of reason for this to be reopened. Especially considering the fact that her cause of death was incorrectly applied to her, which I don't even know if that makes sense, but it made sense to me. Her death needs to be reopened and reinvestigated because it's not fair to her family, to her daughter especially, who probably hasn't seen her mother, who hadn't. Eve probably doesn't even remember her mother because she was about a year old at this time. Never got to meet her mother. That's not fair. So let me get off my soapbox real fast. But before I get off, I just want to say this case really needs to be reopened and reinvestigated. We need to find justice for Lori's family, for her daughter, for everyone that was involved in Lori's life. Now, this has probably been in the back of your mind this entire time. Where did Lauren Malloy go? If she wasn't with the care of her mother because her mother is no longer with us. She's not in the care of her father. Who is she in the care of? Well, lucky for you, I have an answer. Back in 1996 on December 23rd of 1996, to be more specific. The custody of Lauren Malloy was awarded to her maternal aunt, Allison Malloy, and her then-boyfriend, Richard Duarte. Thomas and Harry, both people involved in Laurie's life, were prevented from visitation. However, this is where the case kind of stops, because as of February twenty-first, nope. As of February 1st of 2023, Lori's body was exhumed to take a second look. We unfortunately haven't heard anything back from that, and we won't be able to hear anything back until they make a public announcement about what was found with Lori's remains. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed researching about it. Even though Lori's death still is considered unsolved, we are getting one step closer to figuring out more about what happened to Lori when she died. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to give it a rating on the streaming service that you're listening to this on. And stay tuned for two weeks from now, where we'll be releasing a new episode. Stay safe, everyone, and happy Mother's Day.